Wardrobe malfunction. I'm not currently wearing a hat. Well, it was so artistic. Telenovelas, man. That's the whole point of them. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that reads music so good, white folks think we're faking it. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I'm the only sane man in this room. Great. Yeah. Well, um, congrats. I mean, you're I also the only, only man in the room right. currently. Yeah, depending on how you're defining it, I suppose. Uh, I yeah. am awfully manly, aren't I? <laughs> well, you know, man is sometimes used as a generic term. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you get it, buddy. All right. All right. So, ragtime. Yes. Rhymes with spag time. <laughs> My this favorite is, time. This is true. Is spag time. Uh, this was a... <laughs> This was a great movie. It was. We loved it. We liked it a great deal. I want to watch it again, mm-hmm. uh, which is rare. That is, definitely. Um, there was something, dare I say, haunting <laughs> about it. Yeah, there was. It was, um, you know, and it was interesting. Well, I, you know, I haven't read the book or, for that matter, am I, I'm, not also, I'm also not familiar with the Broadway musical. The skies were blue and hazy, everything warm, everything still, la, 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 la. Kelly, however, oh. is familiar with both. Strapping, buckos. <laughs> uh, but now I'm the girl on the swing. <laughs> it was, even to me, and I mean, I know Kelly talked about it a little bit as we were watching it, but it was clear that there was... This is a much more complicated book, and they really like zeroed in on the movie on uh you know one aspect of mm-hmm. it, uh, which was Cole House Walker's you know story. Um, but it was great. I mean, yeah, and I meant to reread the book. I didn't. Okay, I didn't mean to. Here's <laughs> what happened: We're watching the movie, and you know we were looking up various things online. Yeah, and I saw on Wikipedia. It was like, oh, here's the first edition cover. And I was like, hang on. That's the cover we have. Turns out we own a first edition copy of Ragtime. Yeah. Uh, not in great shape, though. No. So, and also defaced with some rich lady's stamp of ownership. <laughs> yes. But anyway, that was exciting. Yeah. Um, to accidentally discover. Mm-hmm. But uh, I kind of started like reading through it. And I remember loving the book, except for a description of a flaccid penis, <laughs> which I think... Did it's we already talk about this? I think yeah. we have discussed it. Yeah. It is my kryptonite. That and snow falling on cedars. I just will <laughs> never recover. No. Um, I guess it's not adult literature. <laughs> we don't have a flaccid penis. I, I'm sorry, Kelly. Anyway. <laughs> um, but the book is great. It's very wry and it's very quick and direct, mm-hmm. which is incredible considering the scope that it covers. Uh-huh. Um, that said, the reviews of the movie were some of the most dickish reviews I've ever read. They were not good. Re- no, they were, they were not were... good and they were racist. Yeah. Like basically every review except for Roger Ebert's mm-hmm. was like, uh, why they talk about this black guy? Like what about what about father? What about all these white people? What about all these white people that yeah. we're not paying attention to? And there was also this litany of like, 
why wasn't this person from the book in the in the movie? Yeah. Wah! Yeah, like because it's a movie and not a book, and it's its own. You know, it's its own. Work I was of art. really, I was genuinely surprised because I, yeah. think, you know, there is still in criticism today. There's a little bit of like the book did this and the movie did that, mm-hmm. but this was. I mean, that was practically. It was practically just a comparison. Yeah, and like nobody liked it. Right, which is weird because it has is- a ninety percent fresh rating. It got nominated for a ton of Oscars. Mm-hmm. But lost most of them. The yeah. movie Reds came out the same year, which is right, and that was weird because Emma Goldman is a big character in Reds and is a big character in the book of Ragtime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, Reds like swept everything. That's true, and was by an American and not a suspicious foreigner like That's Milos Forman. I like Milos Forman oh, yeah. movies a lot. Me too. I learned. Well, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I knew, you know, Amadeus mm-hmm. and I love, um, Valmont is my absolute favorite adaptation of Les Liaison Stage Roos. Right. Like, no offense, cruel intentions. <laughs> yes. You are my first love. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and hair. Yeah, and hair. Adapted as well uh, by Michael Weller, who wrote the screenplay for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just a very prominent 1970s playwright, and I used to do a monologue from his play Loose Ends, well, okay. uh, which was great. <laughs> I was great in it. I believe It you. was all about transcendental meditation oh, wow. and how it was creepy, <laughs> which my parents approved. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess let's dive into the recap sure. portion, and we will unload various other tidbits <laughs> yeah. as we go so first of all literally everyone's in this movie yeah like, like it's shocking can you think of a person they're in ragtime <laughs> right. jeff daniels is in it jeff daniels debbie allen uh john john ratzenberger yeah john ratzenberger's incre- uh mr dursley mm-hmm. from the harry potter movies that's it's right bonkers sam man. jackson burrell from the wire oh it's amazing yeah his name is frankie face yes but I didn't know if people would, you know. Well, you could have said both. I could have said well, and now we have said both. <gasps> I hate it when we fight. We're a team, Kelly. A this team. Is, this is just like on ragtime. <laughs> so we open. Uh, there's weird dancing. It's McGee. Yes. Who is the main reason that we're covering this? Right. Obviously. Uh, also, the time period. Yeah. But mainly but McGee. Mainly McGee. Uh, which is the name of our follow-up podcast. <laughs> Mainly McGee. <laughs> Just us singing the cow song. So she's doing some weird ballroom dancing under the credits. And we're mm. like, well, this seems uh, symbolic somehow. Right. We yeah. have not yet figured out how. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> and then we see uh, our protagonist, Cole House Walker. And he starts off by playing piano under a newsreel uh, that establishes various things, some of which are relevant to the plot, some of which are more just nods to things that were in the book but didn't fit into the movie. Well, and I think it's also just setting the tone mm-hmm. in terms of like the Harry Houdini stuff. I mean, he is like the biggest deal celebrity. Right, you know? right. So it's just kind of contextualizing... I think Houdini in this is an important sort of mirror image for Evelyn Nesbitt. Okay. Um, just in terms of what kind of notoriety is she actually seeking mm. and how does that stack up against his? Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally just came up with that. So oh, I okay. haven't like sourced it and really <laughs> thought it out. Um, but I stand by it. Yeah. <laughs> we can cover it in a future episode of Mostly McGee. Yeah, absolutely. So in newsreel mm-hmm. uh we discover that architect stanford white has unveiled this new statue for one of his buildings mm-hmm. and it is rumored to be 
modeled after McGee, who plays Evelyn Nesbitt. Evelyn Nesbitt, yes. Um, who had an affair with him when she was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And her husband... The statue, it should be pointed out, is nude. Yeah, the statue is nude. Yeah, it's not just just a lady wearing clothes. (laughs) Right. Of of the sort you see every day. Although, honestly, given what we know now about Harry K. Thaw, that may well have set him off in the same way. Yeah, that's true. So they're at the unveiling of the statue, Mm -hmm. like Harry K. Thaw and McGee, and it's very disconcerting. I was very because I thought he was Stanford White at first, which I thought was weird because mm-hmm. Stanford White is supposed to be old. Yeah, but anyway, like they're caught on the newsreel, him freaking out because somebody was like, "Hey, is that your wife's butt?" Yeah, right. And he's like, "No, it's not. It's definitely not her butt." And she's like, "Well, it might be." Yeah, and she's like, "I don't really care." Um, so that sets the scene for that. Then we cut to uh, a party. Yeah. Ooh, a half and a party tonight. <laughs> Everyone is wearing like laurels yeah, it's and a tuxedos. Big old rich white people, stupid tradition party. Well, but it's all men. It's a stag party. Yeah, yeah. So then all these women come in with like ice cream and, you know, they're wearing like togas and everybody's like, I say. <laughs> uh, they're having a great time. Yeah. Uh, Thaw comes to the door. Boy, and- back in the old days, you just never stopped being in a frat. Ew, gross. You just were your whole life. Ugh, yeah. horrible. Uh, well, thank God we live in the now. <laughs> so Thaw tricks the doorman and gets in with his band of, you know, burly cronies. Right. And basically uh, gets up to the door where the party is, starts banging on it and, you know, calling Stanford White to account. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys all break down the door. Yeah. And he confronts Stanford White, who's played by Norman Mailer. Yes. The Norman Mailer. The Norman Mailer. So bizarre. Yeah. This is the beauty of Milos Forman. Milos <laughs> Forman is like, I, uh, I cannot do like a Czech accent. Right. So however he sounds. Yeah. He's like, I, uh, I want, uh, everyone in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, I am friends with, uh, Norman Mailer. Yeah. And he's Courtney a- Love, uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he would just be at a party with Norman Mailer or whatever and be like, hey, you're in, the yeah. pl- you're in my movie now. Um, so, yeah, there's a big kerfuffle and then Thaw is eventually removed from the premises. Mm-hmm. So he's unsuccessful in his uh, attempts to seek satisfaction. Yeah, because he says, oh, I'll take this to the police. And uh, Norman Mailer is like, oh, let me introduce you to a guest of mine, the commissioner of police. <laughs> Bazing! <laughs> yes. It was played by James Cagney. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize he was in that scene. He was, yeah. There uh, were a lot of people and a lot of scenes in this movie. Yes, yes. It's it's a two and a half hour movie. Well, it's a good thing we both watched it. Yeah. Uh, so then the, we cut to a country house and family sits down to dinner. These people do not have names. They do not have names in the book or in the musical. Yeah. Uh, because it was the 70s. Yeah. And Eel Doctor kept being like, ah, what could... They? No, I don't like Smith. I don't like Wellington. And he's just <laughs> like, fine, forget it. No names. Um, I wonder, actually, because in the musical, the son has a name and his name is Edgar. And I wonder if that's what the E and E-L stands for. Hmm. Yeah. Cousins. <laughs> Quick. To the internet. Uh, so the family sits down to dinner and the father magnanimously says that uh, brother... Younger brother is his name. Okay. Well, there's an even younger kid. His name is not that. Okay. It's like the son or something. Okay. Well, then fine. Brother. Oh, right. Because I think he's... He's... Okay. So younger brother is the younger brother of mother. Yes. You know, the son is the son of mother and father, and then there's grandfather, who, like, barely does anything. Right. And then if you go through the wall, there's other mother and other mother's brother, (laughs) and it's like a whole thing. 
<laughs> That's actually the name of Manny Patinkin's child is uh, Coraline. Oh, all right. It's not. Oh, I was like, other mother. <laughs> That's a weird name for a child, even by today's crazy standards. Uh, so yes, he says that uh, younger brother has been doing well at the company, and as a reward, he gets to say grace. It's like, I'd rather have a raise, or maybe <laughs> right. like a trip to Majorca. Like, yeah, uh, and he doesn't even get to say grace, as it turns out, because the maid screams. The maid does have a name. It is Bridget. Okay, uh, and she has found a baby. Oh my god! Out in the garden. Yes. So they call the doctor uh, who comes in and he says that the baby is healthy. The baby also notably is black. Yes. Uh, Sarah, the baby's mother. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't confirmed this, but like it's a whole thing. Yeah. Played by Debbie Allen, mm-hmm. sister of Felicia Rashad. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> also cast member in the film version of Fame, another great musical. <laughs> yes. Um, although she does not sing. Debbie Allen was more of a dancer. Right. Debbie Allen was a dancer. <laughs> well, <laughs> She ain't dancing in this movie. <laughs> she is not. No. Uh, so anyway. Possibly in the musical, I would think. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> to ragtime. <laughs> sure. So she's dragged in by the police who uh, question her in not super kind fashion. Right. And basically, they say, okay, well, we're going to take this baby to an orphanage, mm-hmm. which the the cop calls, is it like N-Word Farm? Maybe some, yeah. I mean, certainly the N word gets thrown around casually yeah. in this conversation. Anyway, uh, and she's going to be put in jail for like attempted murder and negligence and all these things. Yeah, and abandonment. And it's like, yeah, she'll go in there, she'll do like a year, eighteen months, and then she'll just come out and have another baby. You know how they are. Yeah, and yeah. actually, more shocking than the N word getting thrown around is like that kind of talk. Yeah, it's these sweeping generalizations mm-hmm. and. This movie shouldn't be as relevant today yeah. uh, as it is. Mm-hmm. So hashtag Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Don't be assholes, everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. can we all build a fucking better future? Right. It's, well, no, and it was it was hard to watch yeah. in a lot of parts because I'm just like, and you know, it's not our lived experience, mm-hmm. but this movie made it very personal. Yeah. And you very much, in a way that I'm not totally sure that an American can handle right because one well you know that's kind of what we think was going on with his reviews right mm-hmm. i mean because it was it was at the beginning of reagan's administration it was right, right? Bef- yeah it was 1981 yeah so like the year he was inaugurated yeah. yeah yeah um yeah and it's like even listening to the musical which was written by americans mm-hmm. that's much more like rah rah america uh-huh and i you know again i apologize but the book i think was a lot more ironic mm-hmm than that per se because mm-hmm. that was written in 1975 and published you know right before the bicentennial right um and i don't know the and we'll get to this in a bit but the character of will conklin in this mm-hmm. and will conklin in the stage show will conklin in the movie feels like an actual person that i know uh-huh, uh-huh. whereas in the stage show he's very cartoonish oh yeah and it's not that there aren't cartoonish aspects to his character yeah yeah it's that he feels like a lived-in human being yeah whereas everybody on the creative team of the musical which makes essentially the same choice as the movie mm-hmm. in foregrounding cole house walker and sarah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's just weird yeah and you know it, it is you know it's not that you necessarily get the sense that this can't happen again, but 
we'll get to the end because there's a, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a there's a coda on the musical that there isn't mm. in the movie oh boy. so well, anyway. i look forward to finding yeah. that out stay okay. tuned everybody anyway so mother played by mary steenburgen yes and it's all like the every time so you haven't even gotten to her every yet. time you're with the family it's very like oh, <laughs> we're arranging matches yeah. like it's all very diaphanous and indirect mm-hmm. But she's like, um, I'm gonna take this lady and her baby into our care. And the cops are like, oh. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you know, we can't directly counterdict a white lady. Yeah. Well, father is not thrilled about this development. No, he's not. Also different in the book and the musical. When all this happens, father is gone. He is on Perry, Perry, Percy? P- Perry. Perry. Right. Yeah. He's on Perry's expedition to the North Pole. He's mm-hmm. an amateur explorer. As well as uh, fireworks magnate. Right. Well, so mother makes all these choices independent of him. Mm-hmm. But I liked seeing her make the decisions in front of him. Right. And it was interesting, too, because he clearly knew that he ought to be able to stop her. But she was like, no, nah, dude. Yeah. And he was like, but, but. And she was like, well, I'm off. Yeah. Yeah. That it was, was it. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. So Sarah's staying with them. No jail time. And the policemen have to go find another black person to harass. Yes. Uh, we see Thaw complaining to his lawyers about that statue in his insane way. Uh, and he keeps being like, yeah, Evelyn wants that statue down. And she's like, huh? Oh, yeah, sure. You know. I love McGee's performance yeah, in this. Yeah, it's like, really the good. the highlight to me, mm-hmm. I think, is her performance. Because I don't give a shit about James Cagney. Right, yeah. Like, sorry if that makes me a monster. <laughs> um, she is so good. I don't so give a good. shit about a Cagney. <laughs> Have you critics can't even stomach me, let alone Mick G. <laughs> um, she's no, because she's delightfully ditzy, and mm-hmm. yet she has a very keen eye for getting what she needs. Mm-hmm. She's a survivor. Yeah. yeah. In, in a way that, again, you don't get in the stage musical. Mm-hmm. Um, the stage musical, she's very much presented as a complete moron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is much more. She has these like flashes of self-preservation uh-huh. is the only way I can think of this. <laughs> yeah. No, she's just someone who seems constantly surprised by the room that she's in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, how did I get here? And she sounds totally different. She does. There's, there's like, like, there's like a couple minutes where you can see like, it's like, I expect her to like rip in half <laughs> and like current day she climbs out and says, I've been trying to get out of there for years <laughs> but like the beginnings of her weird hybrid accent are present even now and yeah. they were shooting in london mm. so i bet this is where it started yeah she's <laughs> like i might like to live here <laughs> and everybody was like did you have a stroke <laughs> <laughs> this is where the lunch began <laughs> oh my god yeah uh, but yeah, the lawyers are like, there's no case, buddy. Sorry. Yeah, you can't, you can't, that's the whole point of not being like, here is a statue of Evelyn Nesbitt. <laughs> like you have, this is the, like the definition of artistic license. Yeah, yeah. At Madison Square Garden on mm-hmm. the roof, Harry K. Thaw is there with Evelyn watching some showgirls and uh, Donald O'Connor yes. of Singing in the Rain fame, mm-hmm. who got his part in this movie because he was a friend of James Cagney's. Yeah. James Cagney, by the way, essentially on his deathbed yeah. when he shot this movie. Mm-hmm. This was the only film exempt from the writers or the 
production strike. Mm-hmm. I forget which kind of strike. Yeah, somebody was on strike. There was a strike, and they were like, mm, James Cagney is literally going to die any day. <laughs> Can we please be exempt? And they were like, okay, because it's James Cagney. Yeah. Y'all are fine. Yeah. Um, which for some reason that makes me happy. <laughs> I hate it when people like break a strike or scab, right. but like this seems like such a completely different thing mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. in general you can just say, okay, we're going to like pick up production and probably nobody's going to die. Right. Well, and I mean, if it, if they got an exemption, then it's not a scab. Exactly. You know, it's perfectly fine. At any rate. Yeah. Um, so thaw. Well, okay, so Norman Mailer comes in with a an age appropriate lady friend. Yes, I would like to point out. Sure, yeah. And they sit to watch. Uh, it was called Mamselle something. Uh huh. Was the name of the? I think it was Mamselle and, Champagne. Actually, yeah, you're right. And then Donald O'Connor was singing about how he could love a million girls. Yeah, and like literally everyone in the world was like, "We don't believe you, Donald O'Connor." Yeah, we don't think you could love even one girl. <laughs> um. Then he's like, "Make them laugh. Make them laugh. Make them laugh." <laughs> So, Foss sees Norman Mailer come and sit down and uh, runs over there with his gun drawn, and then he shoots him in the head in a more graphic way than I was expecting. Yes. I thought it was like a body shot, and in reality, uh, he shot him three times in the head. Oh. And I am grateful to you, Milos Forman <laughs> and Michael Weller, that you only showed me the one. Yeah. Because it was awful. Yeah. Like, it was, he was shot in the head. And There's no so, way And then, it. again, you see... This is the first of actually two crowd scenes where you see this happen, where mm-hmm. only a very small number of people saw what happened, and you see it ripple yeah. through the crowd. Yeah. And in this case, there is a live weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, he could shoot anybody at any time. Right. So then uh, John Ratzenberger calms him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, he's yeah, a cop. He's a cop. So yeah. he calms him down and takes the gun away. And everybody's like, okay... Play on Donald O'Connor. He does, he does not continue the <laughs> No, he doesn't. That That's, would be weird. It would be insensitive to Norman Mailer. So Cole House plays under some more newsreel footage. Uh, it announces that uh, Thaw's mother has come over from Europe to help with this whole uh, shooting that guy dead scandal. <laughs> uh, so they discuss Thaw's case with Evelyn and some lawyers. And Evelyn's like, oh, yeah, you used to beat me and all this sort of thing. And they're like, Norman Mailer? She's like, no, my husband. <laughs> No, and just the way she says it. Well, and this is actually where you steal. She's very steely. She's like, this is what this shit happened to me. Yeah. Because she's, again, very dumb. Mm -hmm. But she knows that was not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the lawyer's like, "Uh, let me talk to her privately. And he's like, listen, uh, well, if you do what we say and divorce this guy, then we'll give you a million dollars if you just lie in court. And she's like, hooray. Yeah. She's like, sold. (laughs) (laughs) You had me at a million (laughs) dollars. So then we cut to the court case. Mm-hmm. Junk, junk. <laughs> <laughs> and Evelyn testifies that Norman Mailer is the one who beat her the way that Harry actually did uh, mm-hmm. to assassinate his character. Yes. And that he did so uh, when she was 16. Yes. Uh, then we see Evelyn riding through the Lower East Side, uh, and her car gets held up. So she gets out of the car, and it's a dead horse is what's causing this traffic jam. Uh, and then, uh, Mandy Patinkin calls her over. He is playing a... Is this after the verdict? I think this is... No, the no? verdict is way down here. Really? Yeah. Thaw not guilty committed to asylum. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Apologies, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mandy Patinkin... Tata? Is Tata. This? Yeah. Which uh, is Yiddish for father. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, well, again. 
I'm glad I called him Mandy Patinkin in this recap then. <laughs> uh, he calls her over and shows her he is selling uh, silhouettes and she is sold. So he starts uh, cutting one out just freestyle, just I'm looking like- at her. We lost our mind. <laughs> yeah. We were like, is he? And I know it's not like Manny Patinkin is not actually good enough to do that. But I'm like, what? Yeah. He can just fucking what? Yeah. Like, I can't even I cannot cut a straight line. Okay. <laughs> I can't cut a circle that's been traced out for me. I am not right. good with scissors. Uh, but Mandy Patinkin is. Uh, but then. Well, but he has his daughter there on a rope yes. tied to his leg. Mm-hmm. And Evelyn Nesbitt is like, why? is that happening and he's like somebody might kidnap my baby yeah he's like shut the fuck up right uh (laughs) but then uh somebody comes over and talks to mandy and he's like hey get out of here get out of here but then the guy whispers to him and he's like oh yeah go on i need to finish this silhouette uh but then he can't so he gives his daughter to evelyn and like storms off uh he goes to a building breaks in a pantsless guy runs out of that building. Uh, he then goes and Well, takes- he's followed by a woman who is Fran Drescher. I missed that somehow. Yeah, it's Fran Drescher. Good Lord. I think she looked a lot different. Yeah. This would have been... I mean, this would have had to have been like very young Fran Drescher. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's his wife. Right. Who... This is not specified, but she basically was having sex with her employer for additional money. Mm. Uh, this is not in the musical, which I think is a annoying omission because mm-hmm. in the musical tata is a very like saintly person he's very mm-hmm. good yeah and this kind of sets him up like he, you know he's human yeah basically yeah um but he's not necessarily like a nice person right because what he does uh he runs back to his tenement and throws all of her clothes out of the window every all the women are like hissing at her mm-hmm. and being very not feminist yeah about this situation yeah and uh being very unfair yeah on fadge on fadge yes so anyway so yeah so he you know he gets his daughter back from evelyn and is throwing the clothes out the window and it's like uh okay yeah uh we see cole house audition for some gig uh it's a band job and he says any regular work is good enough for him Mm mm-hmm very handsome by the way Cole house he He is is devastatingly handsome no doubt about it uh and then we see Mandy Patinkin. He's like, hey, daughter, you know, I gave you this book. Well, I'm taking it back, but I'll get you another one. Uh, and he goes into the shop and he shows it to a guy. It's a flip book that he has made. And the guy is impressed. And he says he will give Mandy Patinkin $4 for that one and 40 cents or $4 for an exclusive to the idea uh, that Mandy won't take the idea anywhere else. And then 40 cents for each book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go out for ice cream. And it's very cute. Yes. Also, the actor playing Cole House is Howard E. Rollins Jr., who okay. also was the star of a soldier story. Okay. Uh, just for context. Sure. Um, Cole House got the gig. He got the job. And yeah. he's so happy. He's very happy, yes. So we see Evelyn going through uh, the the Lower East Side, the street that she was on before. She looks for Mandy. And it's not clear. Like, is this the same day? Right. The period of time I here is... I feel like is... it must have been because for her and brother to be there at the same time? Well, but... well, And actually, in the previous scene, which I what I failed to note, is that younger brother was kind of shadowing her. Yeah, he was stalking her. Yes. That is That's a better word. way to put it. And he continues stalking her into Mandy Patinkin's abandoned tenement. She is quite startled, as she should be. Yeah. And she's like, don't! 
come anywhere near me. She's like, don't touch me. Because obviously he's there to rape her. Right. right? That seems, but no, he just wants to give her his car. No, and he's like, I'm a really nice guy. And yeah, I'm he like, says, no, you're not. I suppose I am acting crazy, but you should see me at the office, he says. This is Brad Dorif, mm-hmm. uh, voice of Chucky in Child's Play, <laughs> as well as the Doc on Deadwood. Yeah. Possibly my favorite show of all time. Yeah. And he also looks like Justin Kirk here i guess he does yeah he looks a lot like justin kirk yeah me. well he's got kind of a niles aspect yes, to him as well he does. brad dorf is a man of many faces <laughs> uh, but yeah he just says that he wants to ask around she's like uh okay will you leave now well actually she says what about now oh that's right she's yeah. like let's go out right now yeah we see family eating without brother who has not been home for three days so it could have been anywhere in the last three days yes um and father's like you know can't you control that brother of yours and mary steenburgen is like you know he's like young and stuff mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and she is unconcerned no. as she is always unconcerned yeah, she's never very perturbed by anything yeah uh cole House comes to the front door looking for sarah and father sends him around the back mm-hmm. and cole house goes ahead and comes in the back mm-hmm. uh which father's not thrilled about no. he's like oh what are you doing in here and he's like that's my baby yeah he's like check it out it's my baby and father is like gross <laughs> you yeah. can go because sarah's deaf not interested in talking to you and he's like my baby he's yeah. like i'll be back baby he is so cute he's very cute. also cute that yeah a lot of cute babies in this, you got mm-hmm. uh, Tata's daughter. Mm-hmm. You got the little boy who always looks like he's got stinky diaper face. So he doesn't <laughs> win. Um, and then this and the, baby, yeah, which this, is never named. Right. Which is in keeping with this movie. Indeed. Uh, but, I mean, that one certainly has the is the, the most babiest of the babies. Oh, yeah. It's so. a pretty new baby. Yeah. Yeah. He is cute as fuck. <laughs> Uh, so then back in court, Thaw is pronounced not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, and he immediately demonstrates how not insane he is by going crazy. Yes. Well, because the judge says he he would be crazy, the judge, not to commit Thaw to the asylum for the criminally insane. Uh-huh. And Thaw is very upset. He's like, I'm the, I'm not crazy. I'm the only sane man in this room. You are the crazy ones. And anytime, like, anytime you start going down that road, like, you need to check yourself. Yeah. Because guess what? Even if you are, they do not want to hear that from you. No, they don't. Yeah. So the judge is like, peace. I'm out. Yeah. He's like, I'm a judge. Have fun in the asylum. I got stuff to do. Uh, Evelyn then, following the verdict, goes to a party featuring the statue <laughs> the in question. The statue, yes. Uh, like, did they haul it down off of I the think thing? It, maybe it might have been a replica. It might have been an ice sculpture. Well, even. they made her try to like pose like it, and right? She, and she couldn't. Like she, she couldn't, was like, <laughs> it was like <laughs> it's like she had just discovered she had arms. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, so she winds up with new management, one of whom is Donald O'Connor, mm-hmm. who will be her dance teacher. But she'll have, uh, you know, of like a vocal coach and a publicist and an agent mm-hmm. and a dancing coach. And, you know, she's very excited. Everything's and coming up Nesbitt. She's, <laughs> she's so drunk and she's like, this little piggy went to market. <laughs> this little piggy stayed home. This little piggy had roast beef and this little piggy went wee. <laughs> all the way to the bank <laughs> and everybody's like exactly okay okay are you this drunk all the time yes okay we can we can work with that 
Uh, then, as she heads home, a brother meets her there. And she's like, oh, yeah. And by meets her there, we mean he has been standing outside of her apartment for God knows how long. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, you. Come on in, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yes. Well, hello. It's nice to meet you and all that sort of thing. And she's like, let me get comfortable and pff, naked. Uh, well, she says her clothes fell off, Tom. And I think we can believe her. <laughs> right. So wardrobe malfunction. She's <laughs> naked. Uh, and runs over and they start, you know, embracing. Uh, when some kind of thuggish guys come in. Well, it's, uh, Mr. Dursley from Harry Potter. Yes. Who is one of the lawyers for Harry K. Thaw and family. Yeah. And he's like, here, Miss Nesbitt, sign this. And she's like, this says I only get $25,000. And they're like, yeah, because now, uh, you were being sued for divorce for adultery, uh, because you were here naked with this man. <laughs> We've got a pretty solid case here. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's... Well, and younger brother starts being like, no, you know, don't, you know, don't do it. I'll get my lawyers and blah, blah, blah. And, like, she's, like, angry and then, like, on a dime is like, well, who's got a pen? Yeah. Well, and then even after they leave, after she's signed it and they've given her the cash, which she is, like, counting with and playing, um, but... She leaves like, no, you have to, you need competent legal advice. I'll get my company's lawyers on it. And she's like, okay, when can I meet them? And he's like, well, my brother-in-law is really more sort of in charge of that side of things, but. (laughs) Well, he invites her then to come and have dinner with the family. Yeah. And she's like, sure. Yeah, whatever. Cause she is like a small child. Yeah. And is drunk. Yeah. Yeah. A drunk child. Yeah. The Evelyn Nesbitt story. No, and this is a great, we're discussing it because she's naked through this whole scene. Yeah. And it's so relevant. Like it's the great non-gratuitous nudity. It's, she's sort of exposed in this way through this like negotiation, Mm -hmm. but she completely is calm about it. It doesn't, it doesn't bother her. And separately. Yeah. I was reading one of these reviews that called her a chunky showgirl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't understand you because like you see her in the scene and you're like, is that how Finn McGee actually is? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure she's gained some weight as oh, she's sure. aged, but it's like, Jesus. Yeah. Well, it is, and she's it is surprising teeny. because she has a very round face. And I think maybe that's what the guy was referring to, but, but still, it's like, did you not see the part where she was fucking naked? Yeah. And skinny. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, nude McGee guys. Yeah. Like, we got it. Let that sink in. <laughs> no, and we were discussing this is the most nudity we think we've ever had yeah. in a thing. I mean, it's just this one scene, but it's a long scene. Yeah. Uh, I pointed out the male nudity in A Room with View, right. uh, which Tom informed me he does not count. Well, I just don't think of it. <sighs> um, no, because the only other female nudity was in James Cameron's Titanic. Yeah. I believe that we've done. Which almost doesn't even count anymore. Oh, I know, You know. Right? Well, it was so artistic. <laughs> it was barely nude. I uh, yeah. Well, and like, and that was plot driven, but that was more gratuitous than that. Like, if you're talking about it, yeah, you're talking about practical nudity mm-hmm. in the terms of like practical effects. Mm-hmm. Like, the point of this was not to look at her naked, right? The point of this was the scene. The point of the Titanic nudity is to look at her naked. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Specifically, I think for James Cameron to look at her naked while he sketched her. Yeah, which uh, you know. He made a billion dollars, so... He did make a billion dollars. I never made a billion dollars. I never even made (laughs) $25,000. So at the family home in New Rochelle, uh, Evelyn does not show. What a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, and younger brother didn't even tell them who was coming. He wanted it to be this big, you know, reveal that he's maybe banging Evelyn Nesbitt. Yeah. And they're all, they're very put out. They're like, first of all, you won't even tell us who it is. And now you definitely won't tell us who it is when she's not coming. You're like, surprise, it's someone you won't approve of. (laughs) Speaking Uh, of people they don't approve of. (laughs) Yes. Well, Cole House comes to the door. This time, Mother answers and she allows him into the drawing room while she goes to talk to Sarah. Uh, so father goes into the drawing room to talk to Cole House confrontationally, uh, while mother goes up to talk to Sarah and try to convince her to come down, or to let, to talk to Cole House. Well, this is where Cole House plays the piano, right? Yes, it is. His younger brother comes in and, uh, you know, he's like, oh, we've got some sheet music there. Can you play? And Cole House is kind of like, I don't really feel like I'm not working. Yeah. And father's like, I think he's trying to tell you who can't read sheet music. And Cole House is like, no, I read it so good white people think I'm faking. Y'all are just assholes. Yeah. But so he does. He, he does play just to like mm-hmm. be like, hey, you're yeah. not shit. Right. Um, but like younger brother like likes this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the first person who's come in the house that is just literally like, hey, father, you know, blow it out your ear. <laughs> yeah. No. And Cole House through this whole movie from that from the beginning of him, like just coming to the front door and like, you know, he was willing to go around the back. But the next time he came, he didn't go to the back. He came back to the front door. Mm-hmm. He, you know. Father describes him in the book as uh, not knowing he's a Negro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Cole House does go up to see Sarah, who Mother talked into agreeing to see him. And Sarah... He brought her flowers. He brought Some her flowers. Some very beautiful flowers. Yes. Uh, and she backs away from him at first, but well, then runs is, towards this him. This is the first time we see Sarah talking, is when she speaks with Mother. Yeah. She's basically like, no. She's like, Cole House talks and talks. He says all these great things, but it's all talk in the end. I don't want to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get this sense, too, and I don't get this sense as much in the musical, and I, again, can't remember from the book, that Sarah is a little bit on the simple side. Right. In a different way than Evelyn Nesbitt. Yeah. Like, it's it's two sides of the same coin, where there are these women who are very easily talked into doing things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean... Sarah is black and has to fend for herself in a way that even Evelyn right. in this weird situation does not. Right. Um, but you know, like just Sarah's, Sarah's, and again, in the same way that you see with Evelyn, she's like, listen, I'm not like the smartest person, but I know this guy is bad news for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but mother's like, oh, but like your baby though. Yeah. Like, what about that? Yeah. Uh, so after they embrace, Cut downstairs. Cole House runs down. It's like, hey, what are y'all doing next Saturday? Want to come to my wedding? And uh, Mother's like, yeah, we'll definitely be there. And Father's like, oh! <laughs> uh, Evelyn has dance practice with Donald O'Connor. Yes. Uh, and Brother arrives and interrupts her practice to argue with her. And it is very awkward. Yeah. And like, basically, he's like, you moved. You didn't tell me that you moved. And she's like, I got evicted. She's yeah. like, I'm busy. Yeah. It's, I don't remember you yeah. exactly. And so her handlers are like, hey, is this guy bothering you? And she's like, no. But then he grabs her arm and he will not let it go yeah. until they pry him off of her. Yeah. And that's a very uncomfortable thing to witness. Yeah, it is. He's not one for letting go. No, he's not. No. Well, speaking of things that are awkward to witness. Yeah. Now we're getting into it, y'all. Yeah. This has been the fun, happy portion of ragtime. Right. Because there is a fun, happy portion of ragtime. This was it. Yeah. Uh... 
you know, Tata starts making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah doesn't go to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, the family starts to like make some sort of movement toward a better understanding of race relations. Yeah. Cole House has a job. He has a car. Everything's looking great. Except for a younger brother who I think basically sucks. Yeah, he does. Um, Evelyn Nesbitt, you know, getting her, her back on her feet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's a reason I very rarely listen to the second half <laughs> of Ragtime because yeah. it is depressing as fuck. Yes. So Cole House is driving along when a fire engine is pulled in front of the road and he stops and then another fire engine is pulled up behind him so that he cannot move. Uh, and he- Well, the, the Irishmen who are the volunteer firemen mm-hmm. of the Emerald Isle, yes. um, they inform him there's a toll on this road mm-hmm. that he has to pay. Yeah. And he totally, you know, assimilation politics his way through this. Mm-hmm. And he's like very polite. And he's like, okay. He's like, all right. I've driven on this road. There's no toll before. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, now there's a toll. Yeah. And he's like, okay, how much is the toll? So they get Will Conklin out. And Will Conklin says the toll is $25. Yeah. And the whole scene, like this is where you're talking about him feeling like lived in character. And, and all of them, that it just felt very like the way gangs of people bullied Mm -hmm. you like that's how bullying works i mean this is like grown-ups and higher stakes but that's just a sort of everybody kind of egging each other on and everybody like they're all kind of just bored Mm -hmm. and they're all you know kind of laughing at each other and kind of like daring daring the victim to call what to yeah to refusing to admit that they're bullying and forcing the victim to you know name what's going on Uh and all this sort of thing like it just it's it was a very good scene it's very good it's awful to watch yeah. but it's a good scene yeah so colehouse just gets out of his car and walks away and he comes back with jeff daniels the cop mm-hmm. uh who the policeman or who the firemen greet by name yes and he's like all right guys come on come on what's going on here and he's like oh yeah they parked the car over there so colehouse goes to it and uh jeff daniels hangs out with the fireman he's like come on like i don't have enough shit get you guys give me a break uh but then colehouse comes back and he's like look at this and there is uh shit in the car on the front seat it's been parked in like uh like a horse place yeah well, there, you can the livery is at the end of the street but this is just like you know like it's a parking a, lot it's like for a horses. parking lot for horses yeah um and a, there- uh something post Hitching post? Hitching post! (laughs) (laughs) We're too modern for our own good, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, Cole House demands that they clean the shit out, and the firemen are like, uh, you know, no. And Jeff Daniels is like, come on, buddy, just just scoop it out. No real damage done. Let's get out of here. Let's move on. And Cole House is like, no, I won't. And Jeff Daniels says, well, let me put it this way. I can arrest you for uh, like causing a disturbance, for blocking an emergency vehicle, mm-hmm. all this sort of thing. Like, you know, let's just get this over with. And Cole House is like, I understand. And Jeff Daniels is like, great. And he's like, but I still want that car cleaned. And Jeff Daniels says, well, you give me no choice. And Cole House says, I'm sorry. And Jeff Daniels arrests him. Mm -hmm. So father comes down to bail Cole House out. Yes. And this, and I missed this the first time, uh, but as he's being like walked along, like somebody is escorting him through Mm -hmm. the hallway or whatever, he's like, you better find new help, sir. Once an N-word goes wrong, there's no getting him back. Which is insane on so many levels. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, you know, it's not even his help. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, um, they go back to where the car is and the firemen have busted it up. Yeah. They have broken the headlights, cracked the windshield. And it was such a beautiful car. It was. It was like a brand new Model T. Yeah. And he was so proud of it. Mm-hmm. It's just awful. It is. It's so awful. Yeah. And they leave. Um, they go, you know. Well, Cole House leaves and father is like, what are you doing? We need to decide what, you know, the, yeah. this can all get fixed up. It's fine. And what we need to decide what we're going to do. And Cole House says, I haven't decided yet. Bye. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. And there's like that prolonged thing where yeah. like father is like refusing to allow him to end the conversation. Mm-hmm. And you can see how much Cole House just wants to fucking shake him. Yeah. And be like, you're not in charge of this. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Mm hmm. So Cole House goes and consults a black lawyer, uh, who is the actor who played the Cowardly Lion in The Wiz. Yes. Uh, and he basically is like, I'm not going to help you. Um, yeah. He says, I mean, they, they talk about it for a bit and he ends up saying, listen, I've got a bunch of charity cases of people like starving and sick. If you think I'm going to go to Westchester County because somebody's, you know, fancy new car got damaged, mm-hmm. forget it. Yeah. And Cole House is infuriated. Yeah. And it's it's a very good scene because he's like the lawyer's like, Yeah, I want justice for our people too. I want it so bad I can taste it. But here we are, this is the world I live in. I've uh-huh. gotta you know Well and you know, and it's you know, you can see both sides of it where this guy mm-hmm. is like, Look, given the scope of what we're dealing with, this is not that important, but at the same time, Cole House says, This is what is happening to me right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've done everything right. I have gotten work. I have made my own way. Mm-hmm. I am supposed to be allowed to live my life peaceably. Yeah. And, you know, the lawyer's like, nope. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. And it is just, ugh. Yeah. I'm going to continue being upset. Yeah. Well, that's the idea. Because then he then goes to various, uh, like, city offices. And, you know, it's like the one is like, well, they're volunteer firemen, so they're not a city employee. You've got to go to this place. And they're just like, no, you got to go back to that mm-hmm. place. And just everybody is like, oh, we can't help you here. And nobody gives them any, any you know, satisfaction of any yeah. kind. And then Father is talking to Sarah. He tells her that all of the legal advice has said he has no case. Younger brother is eavesdropping and pops in. He's like, that's not what they said. And father's like, shut up. And he says, I'm trying to put it in terms she can understand. And brother's like, well, why are you lying to her? And it is a good question. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Father tells Sarah that she has to talk to Cole House and she has to talk him down from doing this so they can have their wedding and just move on with their lives. And she cries and says she's tried, but, you know, his his pride has been wounded and she can't get through to him. Yeah. But Father says now it's her responsibility, uh, which turns out to be a horrible thing to say to this woman. Yeah. Because well, he, I mean, because Father is like, I will pay, I will buy a new Model T for him if you'll agree to dr- drop this. And she's like, I told, you know, I already said that. And he said it has to be the fireman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he says it's her responsibility. So we see her heading down some tracks uh, and she she actually naps on a bench and then wakes up because the vice president has arrived. We saw this in the newsreels earlier that he's mm-hmm. doing a whistle stop tour. Uh, so he's giving a speech. And as he does, Sarah pushes forward through the crowd, shouting at him, saying, Mr. President, you have to help Cole House Walker and, and just shouting. And the police that are working security uh, beat her down with their batons. And this is another situation where you kind of see the crowd reacting to what's happening, but not as much as you did when uh, Norman Mailer right. got shot. Right. 
So then uh, we're back at home in New Rochelle and the doctor, the same doctor that they brought in to examine her uh, when they found that baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that it's very serious, but she might pull through. She's got some internal bleeding, but if they can keep her from getting pneumonia, mm-hmm. she might be okay, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. So Cole House uh, arrives and goes up to see her. <sighs> yeah. Oh my God, this is so awful. It is. Because he's just telling her all the things that he'll do for their wedding. Mm-hmm. He says the whole band from the Clef Club is going to come. They'll have a whole choir. Yeah. And so then we cut to a church and it's all decked out with flowers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. It's rough, man. And then it pans down and it's Sarah in her coffin in her wedding dress. Yeah. And just, yeah. you know, everybody's there. Yeah. You know, the family came and just, it's awful. Yeah. It's so terrible. Yeah. Um, and there's not much else to say about it. Uh, so, yeah. So, things escalate another notch here. We see uh, the firemen playing cards, and they get a call. And it's like, oh, there's a, a fire. We got to go. So, they all head out. Uh, but there's a bunch of gunmen there sh- and shoot all of them. Uh, as best they can. Uh, the shooters go up to the people they shot and ask them, which one's Conklin? Where's Conklin? They, they say he wasn't there. Uh, Conklin is then confronted by the police who say they're just going to turn Conklin over. <laughs> to Cole House, yeah. yeah. And it, it is interesting the way, you know, the the nuance that is in this movie, you know, because, like, yeah, other white people don't like Conklin and they don't yeah. appreciate his behavior. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, you know, well, we'll, you know, we'll see how everybody ends up. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) We'll be crying again. (laughs) Uh, The family are told that uh, policemen are going to be posted in their house in case Cole House decides to come for the baby. Uh, they're well, like, and, and mother interprets this differently because she thinks the policeman is there to protect the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, well, we could just take the baby to a different place. Right. And they're like, no, we want to use the baby as bait so we can try and catch Cole House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we see younger brother who goes to the Clef Club and says that he's looking for Cole House. And the, I don't know, bouncer or whatever his role would be uh, is like... Uh, he ain't here and certainly not here for you, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, brother's like, here, can you just give him this message? Uh, which we then see father coming into brother's room at their house being like, hey, uh, this was turned over to the police. Apparently a white man is looking for Cole House <laughs> and it has your name on it. <laughs> and brother's like, yeah, that was me. But then he promises that he'll stay out going forward. Uh, cut to <laughs> brother being brought blindfolded to meet Cole House's gang, which includes Frankie Faison and Sam Jackson. Yes, indeed. Such a young baby, such a young baby Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you. Yeah. Uh, it's Frankie great. Faison oddly doesn't look that much younger. He does, got no, just he kind looks of a, about the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they bring him in and... Okay, so I love a lot of things about this scene. It's mm-hmm. the second time we've seen Younger Brother go into, you know, a black-coated environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 
I was remarking when we were watching them that you almost never see a white person going into a black environment without the intention of trying to dominate it. Right. Which is fascinating to me. Yeah, or for that matter, or or like buy drugs or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, or if it's not played for laughs, like in uh, Animal House. Right, right. Like this is just you know this is a guy who's like, hey, I'm here to try to help you. I'm not trying, and he you know is razzed. He Mm -hmm. is you know definitely made an object of ridicule by these guys yes. he comes in he's got his blindfold on cole house walker's like uh can i help you yeah and he's like yeah don't come to the house uh the police are like waiting for you there and they all die laughing yeah. because this is like on the lamb 101 <laughs> right <laughs> it's like where's your baby does the police know that your baby is there? <laughs> then don't go there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Cole House is like, seriously, dude, is that why you came here? And uh, younger brother says, uh, no, actually, I know how to make bombs. And the faces of everybody in the room change. Yeah. Like, they're just like, oh. <laughs> right. So, you know, younger brother has managed to cross racial lines and make himself useful, possibly for the first time ever in his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we see his action at work. They pull up to some different fire department, mm-hmm. uh, drop a door on, a bomb on the doorstep and, you know, drive away real quick and it goes off and sets the front of the fire department on, well, on fire. <laughs> yeah, so this leads to a media frenzy at family's house. Which father does not appreciate. Yeah, nor does mother. And they're both telling the cop who's stationed inside, like, hey, those people out there are trespassing. Can you get them out of here? And the cop just sits there like, uh, yeah. No, it's just me. No. So a van pulls up to a fancy building uh, and leaves a crate out front. This security guard comes up to be like, you can't leave that there. Right. But and, then and he... opens the front gate to go get the box. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, so then the gang gets him at gunpoint, sends him away. They then bring some boxes in and they leave the one on the street. That one blows up. And it's unclear to me why, I think, like, was that accidental? No, they, they do it intentionally. What happens is they leave the one out front. And then when they see some policemen come, having been notified by the security card, they tell them all to stay back, stay back. And then they shoot that box oh, and it explodes. Okay. So that's just demonstrating, hey, we've got bombs. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that because I was like, well, that just seemed like a waste of a bomb. (laughs) It does break a water main or something. Good for them. (laughs) I cut to the seaside. Ooh. (laughs) Because mother and father have been like, we're going to get the hell out of here. Right. Because they don't want to deal with all these vultures. Yes. Uh, And a very lovely shot. And it's many shots in this movie where I'm like, so much work to make this shot. Oh, yeah. And it's a beautifully shot movie. Mm -hmm. We're kind of glossing over. But that's the haunting feeling i think is just the cinematography is so great yeah yeah i agree uh but hey mandy patinkin is shooting a movie starring evelyn nesbitt hey it's like we're in a novel or something (laughs) it is uh it's a pirate themed movie one of the pirates is jack nicholson Mm -hmm. he was actually originally supposed to play the role played by james cagney Ah, but then he had to drop out to be in some other movie okay uh, so mother comes along and says like, Hey, what's up for whatever reason? Well, her son is, uh, kind of staring at the little girl who is, uh, Mandy Patinkin's daughter. Yeah. So and she's like, Hey, like quit being like weird. And he's like, I literally can't. 
I was like, hmm, you five-year-olds have not been formally introduced. I yeah. need to, to deal with this. So uh, Mandy gives the boy a flip book and invites them to the rap party that they're having. And father has come up at this point and is like, oh, I'm sure we won't be here then. <laughs> that sounds frivolous. <laughs> Uh, so various police are milling around the library and the library curator refuses to allow them to storm the building. This is the J.P. Morgan library. Yes. Incidentally. Yes. J.P. Morgan himself is on an expedition on the Nile. Uh, but he is in the musical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so the police are like, hey, can you believe this guy? <laughs> uh, but James Cagney walks toward them toward the building to try to negotiate with Cole House and his gang. Uh, but they throw out a precious goblet, <laughs> yes. uh, causing much c- pearl clutching from the curator. <laughs> uh, inside, there's a message with their phone number. And police take over a neighbor's house. Yeah. And they just, like, they come in and just, like, kick everybody out. Yeah. And the old woman that is the, you know, owner of the house is like, uh, could you at least give me some idea of what's going on? And nope. They, they, re- they don't even answer her at all. Um, so, uh, police, you know, have been on this way forever. Yeah. Uh, so they, they call the number and Cole House demands his car restored in its original condition. Like that's his ask. Yeah. Um, which on the one hand, a little crazy. <laughs> on the other hand, like how can you live in America as a black person even today and not go fucking crazy? Yeah. Like, all of our black listeners, my hat is off to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not currently wearing a hat. Well, but if I were, yeah. Um, no, I mean it. Just it's infuriating, mm-hmm. and I'm just you know, I don't know if those negative reviews were about an, a fundamental inability to emphasize with this man. Yeah, because it's like it may not be what, but you don't know what you would do. Yeah. And all of the reviewers, spoiler alert, were white men. Sure. So you as a white man, and even I as a white woman. I think there was a white woman. But there yeah. may have been. I don't know. Yeah. Well, still, she was white. Agreed. We don't know what we would do mm-hmm. because we can't even conceive of what that's like yeah. on a daily basis right. to be confronted with this. And this led to his the love of his life getting yeah. beaten to death right. by police. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every, at every turn, all of these civil service, civil servants who are supposed to help Mm -hmm. citizens of America, which they are, you know, belittle and ridicule and obstruct them at Mm -hmm. every turn. And it's like, you know, Team Colehouse, like, this is insane. Well, so now we get uh, a scene that really, you know, uh, a really key scene and a really good one. Uh, So Booker T. Washington arrives. Uh, And Cagney had said earlier to start contacting prominent Negroes Mm -hmm. to help negotiate. Uh, So Cagney's like, you sure want to do this? Yeah, there are no uh, black police officers. Right. I don't know if that needs to be said. Right. But yeah, it's certainly true. Uh, So and Booker's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. He heads in to negotiate. Uh, Everyone but Cole House is wearing masks, Mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, So and Cole House and Booker T kind of have a little debate about themes, both large and small. Mm -hmm. And and Booker says that, you know, a thousand uh, hardworking, clean cut 
Negroes, you know, and, and they can't undo the damage that was done by you. Mm-hmm. You know, you've set our race back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Despite the fact that he was one of those clean-cut, hard-working Negroes. He was. Up until, mm-hmm. you know, he was forced into these extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, and Colthouse says he exhausted every legal means to try to get restitution. And mm-hmm. it ends with Booker T saying that, you know, no, vengeance only breeds more vengeance. And this whole thing will continue until one race says, you know, enough. I will not seek vengeance for this and all mm-hmm. this sort of thing and uh i forget exactly how it goes because cole House laughs at him mm-hmm. um and booker t is like well you're going to hell bye and that's i feel like booker t washington as characterized in this movie ended a lot of conversation <laughs> 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 yeah yeah, uh, it's a very affecting scene. It is. And uh, it's- Booker T. Washington played by Moses Gunn, mm-hmm. who I don't think I know from anything. We thought we knew him from something. Yeah, but I think we we were wrong. Imagine uh, us being wrong. Yeah, but it's it's a great scene. And this, by the way... This, this movie is basically all good scenes. Yeah. There's no scene in this movie where I was not, like, engaged. Like, I got up to pee and I paused it. Yeah, you know? no, like, that's... And that all, even in movies that we really like, there's often, you know some filler yeah some filler and this this is all killer no filler yeah um it's hard to find so you know good it luck. is hard to find uh, we had to do a torrent and yeah. even if you do that you might find there's a bastardized dvd version that cuts out most of evelyn nesbitt's scenes which i don't understand yeah. because she's one of the linchpins that this movie ha- like she has such a big role in the movie versus the musical mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. um yeah, so just kind of keep an eye out. You know, we are sorry. We we didn't know when we picked this yeah, that it, it was, would be so difficult. Yeah, but again, this is why uh, those vintage VHS and DVD collections are so vital mm-hmm. because not everything is going to be streaming. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna lose a lot, y'all. Yeah, we're gonna lose a lot. Mm-hmm. Turner Classic Movies can only do so much. It's true. Um, okay, well, that night we see police scaling the ladder to the roof of the library, but a bomb goes off and the police scatter. Yeah. Then we cut to the rap party for the movie, or as Mandy Patinkin calls it, a photo play, mm-hmm. which was the style at the time. <laughs> um, he gives a speech about uh, light and uh, beauty and movies or whatever. And here's what's great about him, and we didn't get into this. So the scene where he's directing Evelyn Nesbitt, you know, he is like screaming at the actors in director mode. Mm-hmm. And then when he talks to Mother, he's very genteel and polite. But then yeah. he goes back, he's like, <laughs> he's just super mad. Do the scene while we have the light. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's 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 a really fun manic performance. And I'm I would say if I was disappointed by anything in this movie is that he had such a diminished part mm-hmm. versus what he does in the book and in the musical. Mm-hmm. As much as I appreciate uh his, you know, texturizing treatment <laughs> of his wife. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, so mother is very impressed by the speech. Evelyn is very bored. <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> Uh, so, She's smoking a cigarette in a lovely holder. Yeah. Uh, which many people uh, push to light yes. when she pulls it out. Uh, so then Mandy takes mother to dance, uh, but then father cuts in and pulls her aside to see police who have come. They say that they want to take the baby and mother's like, uh, how about no? Yeah. I'm not going to let you do that because they don't have an explanation. Mm-hmm. It's like, we just get orders, man. And she's like, well, then, uh, you know. Guess I'm keeping this baby. Yeah. And they're like, ooh. <laughs> 
Uh, well, and then Father's like, well, let me talk to her alone. Because he always thinks that when he gets her alone, he can make her see reason. But no, he, he, she's unreasonable. Yeah. And she's like, and he's like, well, in that case, listen, I'm going to New York with or without the baby. And she's like, I have fun. Yeah. I'm going to go hang out with Manny Patinkin. <laughs> he's got a cool beard. <laughs> Back in New York police break into an apartment and they seize the wrong man there's like an elderly couple in bed <laughs> uh and then they see conklin who was hiding under the bed right. uh they like leap over the bed which like falls through <laughs> the bedstead and this old lady is lying there like whoa yeah it's a fun little slapstick yeah there's very little like levity in this movie <laughs> so this is appreciated um so they get Conklin, they bring him in front of Cagney, and he tells him that he's going to talk to Cole House Walker, and he's got a great line about how everybody's like, that library is worth millions of dollars, and people keep telling you you're slime. So the implication is like, we would be more than happy yeah. to deliver you to this man's justice to save this library. Mm-hmm. So Cagney tells him he is going to have to go in to talk to Cole House, and he puts him on the phone. Like He calls Cole House, and yeah. he's like, we've got Conklin. Cole House is like, send him over. Instead of doing that, Cagney just gives Conklin the phone, and it's very like, oh, you know, you can't take a fucking joke. Like, he does not... Yeah. I don't know what he thought he was going to accomplish here, because Conklin's negotiating skills are <laughs> no good. Yeah. Um, And then... But, like, Colehouse wouldn't even speak to him. It's just mm-hmm. Conklin, like, screaming in the phone. He yeah. finally gives it back to Cagney, and Cagney's like, uh, hello? And Colehouse is, like, sending him over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colehouse, excellent negotiator. <laughs> yeah. Then father comes in and he asks to speak to Cole House. So he doesn't. He wants to know if he can come over and see him uh, in his hostage situation. Cole House says yes. And uh, younger brother is startled. Okay. So younger brother is like <laughs> basically in blackface. And this is one of the only instances I've seen like in fiction where I'm like, you know what? That was probably a good move. Yeah. Like that was probably like everybody was like, well, we have to try to make him look like one of us. Right, like, right. Just for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Unless it was just something he was like, hey, guys. Or, you know, maybe <laughs> just they sh- just showed up that way. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, there's, but it makes, there's it makes, a certain there's, logic in it yeah, because it's like if, you know... And, you know, they're not going out unless it's dark. Right. So right. it's like as much as he can do to minimize mm-hmm. his, you know, otherness. Yeah. Um, the better for them because then, you know, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. don't have to get all these other white people involved. Yeah. Well, it winds up being crucial. Yeah. So father comes in and Cole House has decided that he's got a new offer. And he says that if the car is delivered in new condition and then his men escape in it and they call him there to say that they got away and they weren't followed, then he will surrender. Uh, so father's like, okay, I'll take that message back. And he leaves. And then the gang members start arguing because they don't like the fact that, uh, he's going to give himself up. Uh, but eventually I think it's as Frankie Faison is like, oh, wait a minute. You've got some other plan here, don't you? And, and Cole House is like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Totes. Yeah. <laughs> so father goes back over to talk to Cagney. Cagney's great. He By is. the way, yeah. I mean, you yeah. can tell that he's barely hanging on to his life right. and yet somehow it works. Yeah. Um, Cagney does not like this new plan, but father argues that Cole House is very sincere. He knows Cole House. He just wants to be heard. If he can have a trial, then he can be heard. He can make his case and, you know, let's do that. Right. And insofar as, look, insofar <clears throat> as you need this story to be about a white person, father does have an interesting journey. He with- does have an interesting journey, but he's also the one who got called out in all those reviews. They were like, well, what about him? Right. And right. I'm like, but it's just, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not his, meh. Right. Anyway, no, 
as much as you know he is not our representative in the story mm-hmm. you see him change yeah in his attitude toward cole house yeah i mean and you know he's not perfect for example when you know they're at the busted car this is a while back when mm-hmm. part of uh the thing is the argument they have is that Cole house walks away and father's like, uh, I'm helping you. Right. Like you should be so lucky. And Cole right. house is like, you are not helping me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he does want this to come to some sort of right. End. And he like, says, even if in- he's, you know, just motivated by wanting to get that baby out of his house. Right. But he says in this room full of cops, however much you'd want to deny it. His actions do have a logic to them. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, he's, he's coherent. He has, you can see what he wants here. And yeah. So Cagney's like, okay, fine. I accept the terms. Uh, father calls the family, but they have left the hotel and are watching, uh, more shooting happening on the beach. Yeah. So he's been abandoned by everyone who loves him. I <laughs> uh, see Cagney briefing a whole bunch of men, like a hundred men who are all responsible for tracking the model T when the gang drives away in it. Uh, we see the car arrive. Uh, father goes in the library. Actually, that was part of the deal was that father would have to go in yes, and wait there with would do a switch. Yeah. Uh, so father goes into the library and Cole house makes the gang members leave. He's like, no, this actually was my plan, mm-hmm. but you got to go. I'm the only, like, they all know my face. I'd be a hunted man forever and that's no way to live. But once you all are free, you can go back to your lives and you'll be fine. So they, well, and he says you get people talking about what happened here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is a great song in the musical called Teller's story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So they, they agree and they leave. And father tells Cole House, he says that he thinks that, surprisingly, he thinks his case is not legally entirely hopeless. He says that you're, you know, like something like, artic- I mean, he says articulate for sure and other mm-hmm. things and not what people are expecting. Uh-huh. And Cole House is like, you know, you know, whatever. Yeah. So the police did lose the gang uh, because brother was driving. Yes. And so they saw a Model T with a white guy in it. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, that's not it. Yeah. Um, and this is actually, and this is, I picked up the, from the reviews that there's sort of a, a whole theme going on about the Model T being this mass produced thing. Mm-hmm. Any Model T looks like any other Model T, and thus that, you know, that enables the escape here. That was a great review. I forget if it was a review of the book or the movie, but about duplicable yeah, objects. Yeah. Um, and what, you know, and just that, that is what changed America. Mm-hmm, and either mm-hmm. you could adapt to it like brother. Right. And like mother, mm-hmm. uh, or you could not really adapt to it like father. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the gang calls Cole House and they're like, hey, we got away. And he's like, you're absolutely sure nobody followed you. And he's like, yeah. yeah. And so Cole House makes father leave first. Um, and father's like, what? You should, should come. We should come now. together. Be smarter. Yeah. But Cole House is, he has a, you know, soliloquy, talking to God while he's holding the detonator. Um, and he has, oh, this great moment where he's like, why did you put such a rage in me? Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he can't decide what he should do, if he should blow it up, if he should come out. Yeah. He eventually decides to come out, hands up, and Cagney just tells a sniper to shoot him. Yeah. And like, they shoot and he's still standing for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did he miss? Like, was that a warning shot? But then he falls and yeah. is dead. And it's, again, just, yeah. and you know, this is a fictional story. Right. But like, but come on. How much value is there in these? And, and that's why. That's why this keeps happening. It's why they shot a 12-year-old in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's any survivors of the kind of abuse 
that white people in power in this country routinely subject people of color to, mm-hmm. then it will stop. Well, yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that, you know, that's why he shot because father says that he wants to tell his story at trial. That's yeah. what he wants. And that's why Cagney shoots him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, so that's basically the end of the movie. We cut back to the dancing from the beginning in, you know, the abstract stage of the mind or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, father watches mother drive off from their house with mandy patinkin and uh both of their kids yeah and the and uh cole house's baby as well yeah. that's what i meant both of father and mother's de facto kids. Uh, gotcha yes but well, also the little and, girl and also, is in there too yeah, yeah uh we see thaw getting released from the asylum to much rejoicing and drinking and driving uh we see houdini escaping from a straitjacket and we see that war were declared and uh that's the end of the movie y'all. that's the end of the movie yeah and um so the coda this is in the musical and i think it's from the book um as usual there's a much more elaborate synopsis of the musical <laughs> so at the end we find out that younger brother wound up going to mexico to fight alongside emiliano zapata mm. um emma goldman wasn't in this movie although we should talk about that yeah um evelyn as kind of you know her star faded uh blah blah, blah stuff about harry houdini nobody cares um, so in the book and the musical, father is actually killed when the Lusitania sinks uh-huh. and mother mourns for a year and then marries Tata. And then, um, they move to California. They adopt, uh, Cole house and Sarah's son. They name him Cole house Walker, the third. Mm. And then Tata basically is supposed to be the guy who came up with the little rascals. Oh, okay. cause he sees a bunch of, you know, inter interracial kids playing, mm-hmm. um, and like that's sort of like what it ends on is like, oh, America's great, you know, <laughs> all of our kids are fine now, um, even though they're not. Yes. And they certainly weren't in 1998, but I guess we all felt more optimistic back then. We did. Oh, the 90s. At any rate, um, so Emma Goldman actually was in this movie. And I was disappointed because she's one of my favorite feminists. Right. She there, she wasn't in this movie. She wasn't. No, she was going to be. And then they cut Oh, the I scene. see what you're saying. Um, they shot like a whole like 10 minute sequence with her and Evelyn Nesbitt mm-hmm. that's very like sapphically charged apparently. Mm. Um, I don't, you know, you can barely find the movie. I would right. kill to see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would not actually kill no, to see to, that. For the record. For any I, cops I would, on the line yeah. here. <laughs> they are not going to be happy with this recap <laughs> no, they're at not. all. Sorry guys. Um, stop shooting people. Yeah, for reals. Come on. Yeah. Like, just stop. Yeah. I know that's a fast seal recommendation, <laughs> but honestly. Yeah. Just everybody in general stop shooting people. Yeah, that's that's good advice yeah. all around. So anyway, um in I remember in the book as well, like Emma Goldman kind of tries to get Evelyn Nesbitt to use her notoriety to further the socialist cause, which like bad move, Amber. Like she's not uh she's not gonna pick up on the tenets <laughs> yeah. of Marxist socialism. <laughs> um yeah, and there's just there is a whole thread um, in the book and the musical that gives a lot more stage time to the residents of the Lower East Side, mm-hmm. um, the Lawrence, is it Lawrenceville, uh, the Mill Fires in New England. I know who you, yeah. Also yeah. written about in the books by Anne Rinaldi, the Quilt Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Um, those are young adult books in case anybody wanted to think of a great gift for their historically minded young uh, nieces, nephews, children, etc. Yeah. All of Man Rinaldi's books are pretty good. Um, yeah. So I, that would have been cool to see. But basically what happened was they shot the scene and the movie was like even longer than it is. Right. It was almost it was over three hours. Mm. And like uh, Milos Forman really wanted to keep it in. And 
the producer really didn't want to keep it in. So then they actually had E.L. Doctorow come in. He wanted nothing to do with the production in general. Uh But they were like, we need you to come in and look at this and tell us if you think this scene should be cut. And he was like, it doesn't really add anything and Mm -hmm. interrupts the flow of the story. He's like, you better get rid of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is ragtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of any other interesting trivia facts. Oh, the the poster is based on a Gibson drawing of Evelyn Nesbitt. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Very intriguing. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a good time. I would recommend. You know, the musical. I went back and read reviews. I've never seen the musical. Mm-hmm. I've only heard the uh, recording. Right, right. That's how I experienced most musicals. Yeah, yeah. But. It wasn't that well reviewed. Mm-hmm. People felt like it was kind of anodyne, mm-hmm. and it came out the same year as The Lion King. Oh yeah, um, and just totally got its ass kicked <laughs> at the yeah. Tonys. Otter McDonald. <laughs> that's part of why I didn't realize that Sarah was supposed to be kind of dumb mm. because Otter McDonald play her, yeah. and like Otter McDonald is so amazing. Yeah, and just like everything she says and does seems so smart. Yeah, and like amazing. Mm-hmm. That I was like, oh, I guess maybe. And like, if you go back and like you know that, like listening to this, oh, you're like, oh. Yeah. This was Otter McDonald pretending to be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and she still won a motherfucking Tony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and the book is good. I'm rereading it and it's a very quick read. Mm-hmm. Uh, very 70s. Very yeah. chrome. Very shiny. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, just, you know, I think it's a great story. I think it's a really interesting approach. Yeah. Um, no, you know, well, and I think we're, that's- we're, you know, we're an entire hundred years out from that time now. Yeah. No, and I think both of us, me knowing nothing about it, and you knowing, knowing everything about yeah, it. Yeah, and we both really liked the movie. We loved it. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed it. We're sorry if this wasn't as funny. Yeah. Because you know what happens when we like something. We don't <laughs> yeah. write the jokes. Yeah. And jokes and jokes. But like <laughs> Naked McG, guys, come yeah. on. Like that alone. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to share a telegram from one of our cousins? Yes. Uh, if you would like to reach out and contact us, you can send us a telegram. We're up yours downstairs at gmail.com. On Twitter, you can find us. We're at five Maggie Smiths. That's at five, the number five Maggie Smiths. And on Facebook, we're up yours downstairs, exclamation point. Yes. Cousin slash customer slash listener, Anne Louise writes, Hi, Kelly and Tom. I just watched Ragtime for the first time ever to prepare for your coverage, and I have to ask if the same thought occurred to you. When they're camping out in the Morgan Museum and younger brother is in his sooty blackface, all I could think was, Labradors! We'll all be Labradors! Was I the only one? I have to say, this movie seemed very slapstick considering the subject material. (laughs) Can't wait to hear your take on it. Uh, So we actually got this before we had watched it. Right. So yes... I was thinking that quote from 101 Dalmatians when I saw him, but that's very clever. And yeah. I think, you know, there were, there were these goofy moments there scattered were. through it. There were. And like we said about with the thing where Willie Conklin is captured. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, you know. Really, most of the scenes of Evelyn Nesbitt yeah, are say, very funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's life. Tragedy yeah. and comedy live alongside each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, telenovelas, man. That's yeah. the whole point of them. Laughter, tears, curtain. To quote Topsy Turvy. Oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, boy, that's a real. <laughs> so sorry, I didn't mean to derail things. You there appa- for no, you. I've apparently been rendered speechless <laughs> by your reference to Topsy Turvy. So let's just wrap this up. <laughs> okay. Let's wrap it up. We'll be back in two weeks with our coverage of the movie Suffragette, uh, which is now unexpectedly controversial because of a very dumb t shirt. Yes. Uh, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. 
uh, Suffragette is out now. Mm-hmm. So uh, please go see it. Yeah. Uh, even though they are dumb, <laughs> uh, it's important to like be like, we want to see movies about women's history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so thanks again for listening. And until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs>